welcome to Speaking of Human Milk, where we give you bite-sized episodes on the latest science and innovation surrounding human milk. This podcast is brought to you by Prolacta Bioscience, a company dedicated to advancing the science of human milk. I'm your host, registered dietitian Kelly Hawthorne. Today, we will be speaking with Dr. Victoria Nicholas, a practicing neonatologist and vice president of innovation and medical communication at Prolacta Bioscience. And we're gonna discuss the topic of human milk oligosaccharides, also known as HMOs, and what researchers are uncovering about how this family of sugars benefit preterm infants who are fed human milk. Along with working at Prolacta and putting in hours as a neonatologist, Dr. Nicholas is also professor of pediatrics at UCLA David Jeffen School of Medicine in Los Angeles. Dr. Nicholas, you wear a lot of hats, and we are so excited that you were able to take the time to speak to us today about HMOs. Thank you, Kelly. I am very happy to be speaking with you. So we know that human milk is very beneficial for all babies, of course, but for our topic today, what is it about the human milk that makes it so special, and what are these human milk oligosaccharides? Well, thank you, Kelly. I'm going to start first before I talk about human milk oligosaccharides and just emphasize for our listeners that human milk is more than just nutrition for baby. In fact, I refer to human milk as nature's best example of a functional food, a brilliant combination of macronutrients, which are optimized for baby's growth and development, including proteins, lactose, and fats, as well as some micronutrients, but a diverse array of bioactive substances. And this is where human milk oligosaccharides come into play. So taken together, this matrix of human milk accounts for significant health benefits which have been observed in preterm infants fed an exclusive human milk diet, but also all newborns that receive human milk. So taken together, we have to think about human milk not only as nutrition, but also as medicine. Now, among the hundreds of different bioactive factors in human milk, human milk oligosaccharides, or HMOs, as I will refer to them in short, are a family of structurally diverse sugars or glycans that are highly abundant in, and in fact, unique to human milk. So in fact, over 200 different human milk oligosaccharides or HMOs have been identified in breast milk. And the spectrum and concentration of HMOs in any individual mother's milk depends on a variety of factors, many of which are still coming to light. This includes things like mother's genetics, her diet, her geographic location in the world, and the timing after birth. These are all critical determinants to the mother's ability to synthesize certain classes of HMOs. So the concentration and spectrum of HMOs in breast milk depend on many factors. But Kelly, here is the fascinating thing. Human milk oligosaccharides are the third most abundant component following the macronutrients, lactose and lipids in human milk. And in fact, HMOs are more abundant than protein. Oh, I think it's so interesting what we are learning about these uh, HMOs and, and like what you said about how they can be so different mother to mother and depending on where she lives, and as you said, her genetics and, and, uh, and diet and timing after birth. So it's just fascinating to me that we're discovering all of this. So out of these 200 or so structures that you said, what are we finding about um, how are they different from each other? And why so many structures? And, and what are we learning about those? 
Well, at first glance, it sounds incredibly complicated, but the basic structure across HMOs is very similar. Now remember lactose, which is the predominant carbohydrate source in breast milk. Well, lactose is made up of two building blocks, glucose and galactose. And it turns out that lactose is the backbone of all HMOs. But it is the modifications of that lactose backbone that give individual oligosaccharides unique features. For example, the orientation of the chemical bonds between the disaccharide units differ, as well as the side groups that are added, including modifications by the enzymatic addition of acetylglucosamine, glucose, and sialic acid groups. So the net result of all of this is a wide spectrum of HMOs, which are characteristic of human milk. And although too complicated to discuss today, oligosaccharides range from the very simple and small in size, like 2-fucosyl-lactose, or 2-FL for short, to the very complex and large, like disalolactose n tetrose or DSLNT, which is one of the largest. So very different structures are possible. And it's the relationship between the different structures and the biological function of HMOs and their contribution to infant health that are now just coming to light. Okay, so we've got HMOs of different sizes and shapes kind of when you think about that there's different side groups attached and structures are so different. Um, what are we, which is all very fascinating to even think that there's bigger and smaller HMOs themselves. But beyond that, what are we finding out about what the main role of human milk oligosaccharides is for infant health? So Kelly, scientists first recognized that the bacteria in stool of infants fed breast milk were very different than the bacteria found in stool of infants fed formula. In particular, the stool of the breastfed infants had abundant bacteria, which under the microscope had a unique bifid or bilobed appearance. And this first led to the proposal that breast milk contained bifidus factors or substances that supported the growth of these bacteria, which we now recognize are a large family of bifidobacterium species that are incredibly important in intestinal health, actually throughout life, although the species are different. So although it was initially proposed that the bifidus family of bacteria were beneficial to gut health, there is now overwhelming data from animal models, microbiological experiments, as well as studies in infants and adults that support the beneficial role of this particular family of bacteria in intestinal health. And one of the most well-studied function of HMOs actually is their role in supporting the growth of these beneficial bacteria. And this is broadly known as a prebiotic function. And prebiotics are substances that support the growth of not only bifidobacterium, but there are other commensal or beneficial bacteria as well, such as lactobacillus species. And these are present even in the gut of adults. But prebiotics help the good bacteria in the gut flourish and thrive and counteract the growth of harmful bacteria. Overall, HMOs result in the establishment of a healthy gut microbiota after birth and throughout infancy. And this healthy gut microbiome has multiple health benefits, including not only a reduction in bloodstream infections and necrotizing out of colitis in the newborn, but also benefits in neurodevelopment or other diseases that manifest in later life. 
So HMOs may in fact be the secret ingredient that gives human milk its myriad of health advantages well beyond nutrition. I'm glad you brought up prebiotics and how that is one of the ways that these human milk oligosaccharides function. And I, I always get asked, what's the difference between a prebiotic and a probiotic? Um, and my answer as a dietitian is that probiotics with an O, probiotics, is always the organism, which also starts with an O. Um, or, and that organism is the bacteria that's providing the health benefit to the person. Whereas prebiotics with an E is what that bacteria eats, also with an E. I've tried to connect it. It's not quite as good as organism, but uh, prebiotic is, is the fuel that gets eaten by the bacteria so that that healthy bacteria can grow and flourish in the gut and, uh, and knock out any absorption sites for the bad bacteria. And I think that's a lot of what's happening in our baby's guts uh, as we're, we're feeding them human milk and uh, helping them to have this growth and development that you're talking about with these positive outcomes. Well, that's a great way to help people remember the difference, Kelly. But there's also one other biotic category that we should make all of our listeners aware of, and that is postbiotics. So postbiotics are the chemicals that probiotic bacteria synthesize and secrete in the gut that mediate the health benefits of the probiotic organisms. And these postbiotics are actually stimulated directly by the feeding of probiotic bacteria of the prebiotics. So the postbiotics include a family of short chain fatty acids like acetate, butyrate, and propionic acid that exert effects directly on the gut epithelium, on immune cells in the gut, or even in distant sites in the body, and likely contribute to the optimal health outcomes that are associated with probiotic bacteria colonization in the gut. I, I think that just goes to show exactly how complicated all of the science can get to this. So I'm so glad that we're having this discussion today. And so besides working as a prebiotic to, to be a fuel source to the good bacteria in the baby's gut, what other functions do HMOs have? So today we realize that HMOs are far more than food for bugs. HMOs function in several ways to prevent infections, not only by crowding out the pathogenic bacteria, but they also resemble the glycan receptors that various bacteria and other pathogens use to infect the gut. And in fact, they may also block the binding of toxins to intestinal epithelial cells. So in this sense, and broad sense, HMOs act as decoy receptors. They block infections by bacteria and viruses, as well as the action of toxins. They may also play an essential role in the maturation of the baby's immune system by interacting with various immune cells in the gut, as well as beyond. And finally, some studies indicate that silated HMOs are very important in neurodevelopment where they function as a supplementary source of sialic acid, which is actually critical for brain development. So it's no wonder there's so much interest and in research being done right now in human milk oligosaccharides. Uh, it's, I mean, it's been a long time since we've had this much uh, new discovery for any kind of micronutrients, so to speak. So it's, it's really exciting to be able to learn about uh, the cutting edge research. So we've talked first about 
just what the structures are and what these things look like. And now we've talked about how they function, but what's what's next for beyond how they function, but what outcomes do they really lead to, particularly in the baby who's being fed human milk? And how do HMOs impact a baby's health, in particular in an extremely premature infant? So Kelly, that is such an interesting question. And based on what we understand about the negative health risks of a disordered gut microbiome or dysbiosis on infant health, it is more likely than not that HMOs actually exert their positive health benefits by shaping the gut microbiome. So if we reduce dysbiosis, which is very common within an infant's fed a cow milk-based diet, we actually reduce the risk of diseases that are associated with dysbiosis, like necrotizing enterocolitis, sepsis, and even ROP. I am so glad, Dr. Nicholas, that you brought up the gut microbiome, because that is another thing that I get asked about all the time. And it's, I think, very particularly important for this uh, neonatal ICU infant population that we're talking about here and how the gut microbiome is effective and how then that, as you said, that healthy gut microbiome microbiome impacts other health outcomes as well. And it seems like, again, that these HMOs are integral to a baby's healthy gut microbiome. So back to uh, the information that there's about 200 of these HMOs that help go together to uh, participate in preventing dysbiosis and, and other unfortunate outcomes. How important is it to look more specifically at individual HMOs or to look at not missing the, the forest for the trees and that we want to keep the whole picture in mind of all of the HMOs? Well, I think this is also an important question and one that is difficult to study. But I think it goes without saying that the full wide spectrum is absolutely critical to realize the health benefits of human milk feeding in general and an exclusive human milk diet specifically. But there is some emerging evidence. One recent publication by Lars Bode and in a separate study by Thomas Abramson where certain HMOs may actually be mediating the significant health benefits, such as a reduction in neck or other infections. And this is also supported by other animal models and in vitro studies that support these results. But I think of the 200 different types of HMOs that have been identified, it's the wide spectrum that's absolutely critical. And what about a NICU mom who is pumping her milk? I'm thinking about how that freeze-thaw process occurs, where if she's pumping at home and bringing it in frozen, are HMOs damaged or destroyed in this process when the mother freezes and then thaws, and then the milk bank or, or the NICU might rewarm that expressed milk? So no, as best we and others can tell, HMOs are able to withstand the freeze and thaw process that many mothers of the NICU babies utilize. That is excellent to hear. Now, and then furthermore, what about the pasteurization process that donor human milk goes through? Well, this is an important question, Kelly, and it comes into play when mother's own milk is not available or is in short supply and donor milk is the only next best option. So pasteurization is a mandatory process used to ensure a safe supply of donor human milk. 
And pasteurization, as I'm sure our listeners are aware, is a safety measure used to reduce bacteria in human milk that if overgrown would otherwise pose a significant health risk. But our work, as well as the work of others, have shown that HMOs are able to withstand pasteurization. So whether a baby gets mother's own milk or donor human milk, the HMOs are unaffected. That is excellent to hear because I know that there's concern about that. And so that's very exciting just to make that clear point that human milk oligosaccharides withstand the pasteurization process and continue to be able to be delivered to the baby. So very exciting to hear about that. Now, it's my understanding that even though we have human milk as part of the name of this category of structures and human milk oligosaccharides, that some other lactating mammals uh, like cows can also synthesize oligosaccharides in the same structural category as HMOs. Can you help explain that a little bit? Yes, other lactating mammals certainly synthesize oligosaccharides. However, when compared to human milk, they are often present at lower concentrations and they're of a different chemical diversity. So with all of this research currently being done on human milk oligosaccharides, where do you see the science taking us in the future? So Kelly, a great deal remains to be discovered about the precise functions and potential clinical benefits of HMOs in the newborn. So one exciting direction may be to discover, well, what are the lifelong benefits of HMOs? Could HMOs play a role one day in the treatment of diseases where dysbiosis plays a central role, such as inflammatory bowel disease, diabetes, or obesity? But currently, however, our best science reflects that preterm infants born weighing less than 1,250 grams should almost certainly always receive an HMO-rich, exclusive human milk diet. Well, that is definitely taking the science to another level, which is so exciting to see that there could be applications beyond the neonatal period, as you said, from infancy into adulthood. So that's really exciting to be able to see how this comes out. So thank you, Dr. Nicholas, so much for your time today discussing human milk oligosaccharides. Is there anything else that I haven't asked you about that you wanna make sure that our listeners are aware of? Well, one last thing I want to emphasize, Kelly, is given the spectrum of HMOs that are naturally found in human milk, as well as the myriad of factors that support immunity, promote optimal metabolism and growth, it is very unlikely that a few structurally limited oligosaccharides added to a cow milk-based fortifier or cow milk-derived formula are a substitute for the extended health benefits afforded by the wide spectrum of HMOs found in Prolacta's exclusive human milk diet, where there is only one chance for the best outcome. Any other choice is not the right choice. Well, thank you again to Dr. Nicholas for this very informative discussion on human milk oligosaccharides. For our listeners, links to information discussed will be available in the show notes, and we look forward to bringing you future topics on the science of human milk.